Welcome to the movie verse of madness. Hey everybody, I'm Josh. I'm Joey. Welcome to the movie verse of madness, where everyone is welcome to be mama movie crazy. We take deep dives into movies of all sizes, breaking down some things you've probably seen, while giving you some recommendations of some stuff you probably want to check out. Um, the past year, uh, due to COVID, a lot of big movies have not been released, so we thought it would be a good idea to highlight some gems that you can find on VOD and other streaming services. Yeah, there's actually been some pretty good movies, despite everybody talking about complaining that there hasn't been a lot of releases and releases have been pushed back. You know, a lot of those releases that have been pushed back have been big blockbusters. We don't know they were going to be good anyways. And streaming is really picking it up in quality. There's been a lot of smaller movies, particularly not like the mega budget blockbuster movies, but smaller movies probably in the mid-budget range, 30 million all the way down to, you know, 5 million even under that have been really, really great. And today we're going to highlight two of them recently released. Uh, I Care A Lot on the Netflix produced and released by Netflix. Well, you can watch that movie for free, but you're paying for Netflix. Um... And then the other movie is Promising Young Woman, uh, which had a short theatrical run around uh, Christmas time. And a lot of people, I think a lot of people were turned off by the trailer because the trailer made it seem like it was kind of a nasty, gory revenge flick. But Oh, the trailer was awesome. Well, the trailer, the trailer was awesome, but I think some people who are kind of used to a certain genre, which we'll, we'll talk about, were probably turned off by what the film actually looked like. You know, I found that, uh, that violin cover of Britney Spears' Toxic on YouTube. Oh, if that, if, that, if that violin cover of Toxic doesn't get you watching that movie, I, I don't know what will, man. It's awesome. Okay, but first, we are going to do I Care A Lot. I care a lot, and uh, I think this is a recommend from both of us. It's a definite, definite recommend. I actually watched it first and told you, you have to go watch this movie now. Yeah. You will definitely have thoughts. I'm going to go ahead and read the synopsis from IMDb. Internet Movie Database? The Internet Movie Database, they know best. A crooked legal guardian who drains the savings of her elderly ward meets her match when a woman she tries to swindle turns out to be more than she first appears. This movie stars Rosamund Pike, Peter Dinklage, Isa Gonzalez, Diane Weist? West? She's a prominent actress. I don't know why I don't actually know her name. And you've seen her in a ton of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and Chris Messina, as well as a personal fave of ours, Macon Blair. Yeah, yeah. Macon Blair. Always fun to watch him pop up and stuff. Oh, plug for Macon Blair, a movie also on Netflix. Uh, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Yeah, very weird title. Very weird movie. Uh, really cool, quirky movie. Ooh, we'll have to talk about it. Oh, what? I would love to talk about it. It came out like a couple years ago. But yeah, but it's on Netflix. As like a, uh, a crime comedy thriller, it's... It's really good, super quirky. Get back on track. Megan Blair's doing stuff, though, and I'm, I'm really happy. He seems to be, like, in that Netflix family, which a lot of people are. Okay, moving on. So, Josh, did you care a lot about this movie? I thought it was really interesting because, uh, well, I think the movie doesn't make any attempt to really get you to like her. And that's one, one thing I really liked about the movie. The main character, um, I think a lot of people kind of can draw comparisons to Gone Girl because Rosamund Pike was so good in Gone Girl and she was playing a pretty unlikable lead there. And in this one... This is um, like a spiritual cousin to that movie. It's a very similar character. Well, it kind of reminded me of Wolf of Wall Street in a way too because uh, in that movie, the main character is just a total scumbag. Which I did not like. Yeah, and I was in the in the minority. I did not like it. that. That was a very uh, unpleasant viewing experience for me. And you know, come to find out, everyone else likes it. I'm like, what do you like about this very unpleasant movie full of completely unlikable people? But I really liked this. Joey, movie. it has a plain orgy. Okay, two movies with two unlikable characters, but one I didn't like and one I did like. Uh, interesting. I think it's an interesting point. Well, so Wolf of Wall Street was a movie with a, a protagonist who was a total scumbag and did horrible, reprehensible things. You cheer for him in some kind of way, even though you feel kind of scummy cheering for him. And this movie is kind of sort of in the same vein. This person is taking advantage of 
extremely vulnerable people. And she's kind of doing it for no other reason than to have the American dream of being filthy rich. I, I thought the cinematography was really interesting, kind of going between two perspectives. So you have kind of her world where things are like jazzy and upbeat and everything is moving fast paced. And then when um, the woman, she who is her next victim, basically, um, gets pushed out of her house by a court order, which Rosamund Pike's character set up everything slows down and everything's very surreal and you literally it's like a two to three minute slow motion montage where she just she's just uh, she just doesn't understand what's going on around her she's so shell-shocked and uh, so the movie does a really good job of getting you in the in the headspace of multiple characters so yeah so the the imdb um synopsis doesn't really it's a it's a pretty pretty good kind of logline of what the movie is, but for people who have not seen this movie, what the movie is about is that this this woman her grift is that she gets um, doctors to declare that old people are uh, no longer able to take care of themselves, and thus they need a legal guardian. Usually, it's because they're showing signs of early dementia, which is. Um, I mean, it's terrible. Basically, it's just like, yeah, she forgot something the other day. So uh, probably dementia is coming along. She probably can't take care of herself. Yeah, but they they, they know what they're doing. Uh, they know that this is completely unethical. And all they're trying to do with this is to get rich. And how do they get rich? Well, they get these people under the guardianship program. And that basically takes away all of their rights. And what they do is that they sell off all of their assets and become rich off of that. So Marla Grayson, the character that Rosamund Pike plays, becomes super rich off of this grift. Um, so the writer-director, I saw a, a short little article um, from him. Uh, he said that he read an article and kind of went down a rabbit hole about this guardianship program and how people people do use this to get wealthy. And it made him so furious that he went to write this movie, which when we talk about spoilers um, a little later on, I think it's very, very telling that, and I think people are misinterpreting this movie and actually getting upset by the way this movie ends, uh, because when you understand where the where the director, where the writer director is coming at the subject matter from, it's very telling. And I think it's it's hard for some people to understand when. A, an anti-hero. Well, she's not even really an anti-hero. She's just she's like, not a hero at she's all. Basically, she an antagonist. When your antagonist is your protagonist, yeah. basically in traditional in a traditional sense, when your main character is the antagonist and things are going really well for her and she's overcoming obstacles, it's it seems to people that the movie is saying that it's okay because it's letting this villain win the whole time. But most of the time. The movie is just showing you that character's warped perspective of what she's doing is the right thing to do. And the obstacles she's overcoming are virtuous in some way. Yeah, well, I told you this movie reminded me a lot of Nightcrawler, which is another... Yeah, movie. that's another one of those. So if you haven't seen Nightcrawler, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, not nominated for any awards that award season, Uh criminally underrated movie because he is amazing in that movie so that that movie was very similar in that it stars a main character that you do not like so he is i mean technically he's our protagonist because he's the main character of the movie but he is not a good guy nothing that he does is good he doesn't make any positive actions but it's a world that you're unfamiliar with so i think when i look at movies like this what's interesting you're not interested to see if the protagonist is going to achieve their goals. You may not want them to achieve their goals, but if you're constantly being fed information that makes the story interesting to you, I think that helps overpower some other stuff. And I think what this movie does a great job of is just introducing conflict after conflict and just escalating over and over again. It has a lot of great reversals and a lot of stuff we can talk about in a spoiler section. Yeah, and but the things that she's able to overcome does make you feel like she's 
kind of she's like kind of the superhero of the film even though you know every step of the way it's bad there's a love story in the film her assistant uh, i believe it's her assistant right i think she functions as her assistant yeah, yeah. well they i mean they're based they're in love partners and, in crime yeah partners in crime but uh and partners in life too uh, but uh it it's very sweet it, but it's such a strange such a strange thing strange thing to wrap your head around because they have a really nice life and it's built off of them taking advantage of of extremely vulnerable people that did nothing wrong. Yeah. So you can't – so it's really interesting because you want to get fully invested in kind of the sweet uh, romantic moments that they have. But you can't fully because in the back of your mind you're going like, well, the way that they're going about this life is, is terrible. Mm-hmm. So we should talk about spoilers in a bit, but – Oh, well, we should bring up Peter Dinklage. Well, yeah, I was going to say... Um, and Christmas scene, we got to talk so, about So you said the cinematography you thought was awesome. I agree. Cinematography is great. Um, there's some stuff later on. To, so I, I like, didn't even watch a trailer for this movie, so none of it was spoiled for me. Um, and if I were to sort of say what happened midway through the movie, it would kind of ruin it. I just, I just loved where this movie went. Um, you didn't see a trailer? No, all. I didn't watch a trailer. So I, I watched a trailer, and what really made me want to see the movie is the fact that Peter Dinklage was playing an evil villain. Oh, and he is awesome in yeah. the movie. Yeah. It's a really good performance. I wanted to say Chris Messina, he's not in it a lot, but his scenes with Rosamond Pike are so good. Yeah. I've always liked Chris Messina. He's really good as a um, a character actor, yeah. but he was in Birds of Prey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Really he didn't say anything. anything. Yeah, um, but he has a he has a scene with Rosamund Pike. The the first scene where they interact, where he's basically saying like, "I know what you're doing. Technically, it's legal. You can't have this one." The back and forth basically, between. Basically, I like, respect your game. I respect your hustle. It like it reminded me of watching, you know, a back and forth in the social network or something. Mm-hmm. Like the two characters that are just really smart. It's this battle of wits. Neither of them are backing down. There's a lot of subtext. Mm-hmm. It's a really great scene. Nobody is the like paramount tough guy or tough woman in this movie. And I thought that was really interesting. Well, I think uh Marla Grayson, um, Rosamund Pike's character is kind of the alpha of the whole movie. Yeah, and it actually it throws uh, Peter Dinklage's character off too, which is again something that you didn't really expect. Also, uh, in terms of in terms of character names, Marla Grayson is just a good name for a character like that. Didn't you feel that way? All right, this is Joey's uh, name corner. No, well, the character names are it's a big deal. Like this, this person could have been called just like. Diane. Pam Johnson. Exactly. Uh, so Peter We just Dinklage. offended a Pam Johnson out there. <laughs> yeah. uh, Peter Dinklage, I read... Um, actually, I heard a speech of his where he talked about early in his career, he, he was being off... He was playing a lot of roles and offered a lot of roles that involved... Uh, uh, his size. His size. That just like called out to his size. And he went to his agent... And he said, I'm not going to play any more roles that I only get because of my size, because I fit the, uh, the mold of whatever size they want. I'm going to play roles where I'm good enough to act despite my size, where people see past my size. And I love that he, he's just kind of taken off in Hollywood by being just such a freaking good actor. And in, in this role... Nobody ever talks about his size. He's a total badass in this role. You look at his career starting from like Elf, where very obviously he was cast to be called an elf. Yeah. And you look at where he is now, where he is a Russian mobster. Yeah. And uh, even, you know, he was cast in uh, in X-Men as this genius billionaire. But um, Josh, I think we should we should spoil this movie. Okay. Do you um, want to create a, a, a spoiler bumper or something? Yeah, so this is spoiler alerts. Spoiler alerts. Spoiler alerts. Spoiler alerts. So the reason I, I told you to watch this movie immediately uh, after I finished it was that it is about capitalism. Yeah. And, the, and the other reason I wanted you to see this movie is because I have seen reactions online where people are upset by this movie because they think it portrays uh, Marla Grayson as a sympathetic uh, heroine 
who um, is, she's faced with all of these struggles. She overcomes it. And then at the end, uh, she accomplishes all of her goals beyond her wildest dreams even. And then she's just shot dead. And it seems like a tragic end. Um, I think that's just a kind of a poor reading of the yeah, movie. All those things are the exact opposite takeaways I had. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, what were your takeaways? And then I'll talk about mine. Well, uh, I never really felt sympathy for her. There were times where I was, I wasn't rooting for her, but I was excited and intrigued to see where she would go next. Like it's kind of her drive is admirable. The way she uses her drive is not, but I did enjoy following the character around the ending. I think, well, we, we show kind of her rise to, uh, power and yeah, should we talk about sort of briefly the events leading up to the ending sure go ahead. so she she kidnaps and i say that in quotations because she gets someone under her guardianship and basically it, she kidnaps the wrong person so to speak so the person she takes all of her rights away sells all of her assets well she learns that she's actually housing some diamonds who is this person? Well, she gets a visit from a lawyer played by Chris Messina. Um, he tries to uh, get the guardianship uh, revoked in court. It doesn't work. And after that, the, Peter Dinklage's character is the son of the uh, the elderly woman that she has imprisoned in this um, uh, this elderly facility. And after that, it's just a series. An elderly facility. Uh, what what do they call it? Uh, assisted living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, assisted living facility. Well, I guess this was t- would technically be a memory care unit. I guess. I'm 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 not sure. The, basically, they they just they can't even have their phones. But she's also in cahoots with the guy who runs that place too. Yeah, he knows he knows her game and he's in on it. So like, it becomes a crime movie. Yeah. With like with people actually murdering people well, like it, it, gets, she, it gets nuts yeah she ran her grift on the exact wrong person and yeah. her grift finally caught up to her in very bad ways yeah they end up kidnapping her and trying to stage uh stage like a drowning she escapes um they tried to kill her girlfriend she escapes and then they you know do this role reversal where she actually kidnaps peter dinklage it gets nuts and at the end peter dinklage is like well, and that's what makes Peter Dinklage's character so good. It's because he is just, he can't help but respect her. Yeah. How much she can overcome. At the end of the movie, which is actually, so I hate this character of Marley Grayson, right? Yeah. But like you hate the fact that she keeps on winning. It's actually a pretty clever ending that this guy who's made her life a living hell, well, she has staged an accident so that he is now under her guardianship legally. Well, yeah, so I I don't know yeah, I don't know exactly how it works where he basically Oh, cuz he's a cuz he's a John Doe. He's a John Doe, that's right. Yeah, cuz he basically doesn't have a real identification because he's a Russian mobster. Exactly, and, exactly. Um, and so he's just found in the woods. It, they stage an overdose. And since he's a John Doe, he needs a legal guardian and in comes her. It's, it's really clever writing, dude. Really, really good stuff. And, yeah. and then another great scene between the two of them. Yeah, dude. Chemistry. Off yeah. the charts. Where he basically says, with my money and your skills. We of being could, an awful person. <laughs> yeah. And us both being terrible people. We could take over this guardianship industry and build a multi-billion dollar empire. Yeah, he's like, we're, we're going to build this network. We're going to get branches. We're going to get our own facilities. And yeah, and he, he's, he also loves the fact that they can do it all legally. Yeah. Yeah. They can do it all legally. <laughs> yeah. Um, for the most part, he yeah. says. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then there's this this montage where she's just rising to prominence. She's like... Top forty, under forty. She's yeah. on all of these, uh, these, these, uh, these talk shows and news networks. She has her own building. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's on like she's on Forbes. Yeah, and then, and then like you think you know that the running time is coming to an end. You know that it's about to end. I'm like, man, it would be a, such a bummer if this is how it ends. I mean, I would still like the movie. Like, I would, I would, I would get it. You know. So how does it end? Uh, Megan Blair, who we seen see earlier in the movie, um, his. His grandma was basically kidnapped um, by the guardianship program. Yeah, she was 
mm-hmm. or or mom, I think. Yeah, his mother basically the, she made it so the mother needed a legal guardian. I don't know how exactly you can get past the whole right of kin uh thing like how you can I think I think once you go into you you're deemed unable to handle your finances somehow they can get it out of the hands of like family. Yeah, and know. also oh. she blocked anyone from visiting her too. Yeah, so, which she can legally do. So her, her son could not party. see her. Yeah. So her son shoots her in the street, and that's how the movie ends. And it was awesome. Uh, well, awesome. Sure. Um, the so, ending. Okay, not the fact that so yeah, so somebody what? got shot, but the ending was awesome. And a lot of reactions I see from this is that she should have had a better come up and she should have had to answer for these crimes. They're not they're not crimes. Like I'm like this stuff is is legal and it sucks. She's yeah. just exploiting a system. Yeah. And that's why I think the entire movie is a really great indictment of capitalism because really greedy unethical people take advantage of loopholes in the system, any system. I mean, name a system. They'll take advantage of the loopholes in it to rise to prominence, and it's awful. And the only way you can stop these people is by, you know, not not even legal means. Yeah. Because a lot of reactions I saw to this movie is, I wish, you know, it would have gone to court. She would have seen her come up and in court. But that's not how this stuff usually ends for people. Yeah. You know, if the last four years taught us anything, it's that people can rise to power by exploiting uh, these kinds of loopholes, and yeah, that's what I pressure points and yeah, that's what I absolutely love about this movie, and I think it was great the way that it ended, the way it did. Yeah, and it, you know, it, it's uh, you know, kind of it kind of points to your sins coming back, um, your sins of the past coming back to haunt you, and just the fact that she basically got everything she wanted, and at the point where she had everything she wanted, she was just coming off of. Um, a high profile talk show where people were bragging about her and asking her what's next. And out of nowhere, a guy that she very much did wrong just comes up on the street and shoots her. Yeah. And I I felt absolutely nothing when that happened. I, yeah. I mean, the thing is, you know, you're kind of past the point of, if it was, if she was a sympathetic character, that would have been a shocking moment. But the thing is, I think that's the kind of the point of the movie, though, is that you're not supposed to feel too much for it. The only thing I could think would be that she's sympathetic in that she felt as if this is the only way she could get exactly what she wanted in a capitalist society by I mean she has a lot of monologues where she says you don't you don't get you don't get to where I want to go by being nice you don't get basically she talks a lot about how she wants to be a millionaire you don't get to be a millionaire but yeah, being she nice. has a really good monologue about yeah it. playing like uh playing the game the way everybody wants to apologizing um you basically have to take advantage of people yeah 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 so it's just a lot of interesting stuff to talk about and um hopefully it uh you know it sparks productive conversations so that is a high recommend should we move on to the next one Let's move on to the next one. And this was uh, maybe my favorite movie of 2020. Let me see if I can find a synopsis on the IMDb. And the mo- this movie, of course, is Promising Young Woman. This was, this was one of my favorite movies of last year, too. One of my favorite movies I've seen in, uh, in recent memory. Um, it's just, it's, it's got so many layers to it. So the synopsis from IMDb, a young woman traumatized by a tragic event in her past, seeks out vengeance against those who crossed her path. The movie stars Carrie Mulligan as Cassandra and a a big cast of a lot of notable faces. I mean, the people that come up, uh, Clancy Brown, uh, Laverne Cox, always love seeing her and stuff. Adam Brody. The casting, the male casting is really great. Oh, it's, it's so spot on. Bo Burnham, who... I didn't. I didn't even know he was like an actor until I saw this movie, but um, he's really great in it. Yeah. So the male casting is really great because it the movie's populated with 
a lot of uh, guys who, whether they're on-screen persona and maybe they're off-screen persona, are nice guys. And this movie really breaks down the nice guy trope. Oh, and I have to say, before we get into the movie, writer-director Emerald Fennell, it's her first movie in... Was well, her first movie writing and directing, right? She's, she's an actress. Yeah, yeah, as a, as a writer-director. But you know when you, you watch it... So, as far as... Um, first movies go especially for a writer director it almost reminded me of get out where you watch get out and it's like this person is so in control of their vision you know people talk about a vision right but she she had so much confidence especially as a first-time filmmaker um i thought it was really impressive yeah, I mean it. Uh, it's stylish. It has a great story, witty dialogue, really well written, and um, great themes. I mean, it's also really well paced. Uh, I think even from the start, I, I great knew, score. I great knew, score. I knew I was gonna love this movie because it. You, you remember the opening, right? The opening scene is uh, a char- the Charlie XCX song. Boys, the song that goes. I was dizzy thinking about boys. That song, which I actually really, I jam out to that song pretty hard. So I was already pumped. But it opens on a shot of a bunch of tight khaki pants and dudes' butts just dancing, trying their best to dance. And I'll do, we, we were watching this in the theater, and we immediately laughed because we were like, we oh, my. busted. I don't think anyone else was laughing. So freaking you and funny. I were like, dude, I mean. I I think bros in tight khaki pants. It's just like it, it, yeah, it, it's like frat bros all grown up. Love they're they're it. just in the workforce now, yeah, you know. Love and it. hey, don't get me wrong. I love like I love a boy dance circle. Okay, boy dance circles are they can be fun. If anybody saw me on my wedding night, boy dancer, none of the girls wanted to dance, but the boys wanted to dance. You know, and we had a good time. You know, sometimes you don't need girls for a boy dance circle. Just boys. Just boys. Just, just boys, boys for this boy dance circle. That's right. Um, but this was great, and we see uh, a couple of dudes talking. Adam Brody's one of them. By the way, Adam Brody, he's like he's not in a lot of stuff. Great in everything, though. I just got you hooked on the OC. <laughs> yeah. Do you been... love Adam Brody? California. Yeah, I love I love Adam Brody in the OC. I mean, I love Adam Brody in, in anything. I really like him. Um, I really liked him in uh, Kid Detective. Ready or not. Oh, uh, ready or not. Ready or not. Yeah, but great. yeah, Kid Detective. He, he was great in that. He actually leads, and yeah, he was great. Uh, so he's talking to one of his coworkers, and they see a woman who is just sloppy drunk. And this is Carrie Mulligan. So Wait, can I start, can I start with something first? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I've been telling, so I really love this movie, and I've been trying to get people to watch it. So of course it has subject matter that you have to warn people about people about because it could be triggering. It deals with a sexual assault. Um, but I've failed so hard in explaining how the movie is good. Because when I, when I try to explain it to people and say, yeah, this would be a really interesting movie, mu- movie for you to watch i would love to know what you think people always go like that sounds that sounds like a bad movie oh yeah i mean the so the the synopsis we read on imdb it it kind of does a good job of explaining it but yeah. how how do you describe it to people so a woman whose friend was uh sexually assaulted and while they were both in med school she uh decides that she's going to she's going to go to clubs and she's going to act like she's the basically the drunk girl at the bar passed out who can't help herself her friends left her and uh her her goal is to pick up a uh, a guy usually a nice guy then what happens with that guy will end up taking her back to their place and try to make a move on her so at, at that point uh, when I try to explain it to people, they're immediately like, I'm out. This is some kind of like, you know, sexual assault revenge movie. And it's probably really, it's probably like a gross B movie because that's kind of what we're accustomed to with this genre. And one of the things I like about this movie is that it subverts a lot of expectations that have been built up within this subgenre, which really shouldn't be a subgenre. And that is the quote, rape revenge film, right? Yeah. Usually those films are directed by men and uh, it's just kind of, 
masquerading as female empowerment and feminism, even though it couldn't, it couldn't be farther from that. Yeah, and um, it really is a, almost a, a subgenre of movies where there is an inciting incident where a woman gets sexually assaulted and then she spends the rest of the movie murdering getting, people. Yeah, getting yeah. payback on the guy or multiple guys that, you know, that crossed her. Which, you know, in, in, a, in a male's mind is empowering to women because, like, what's more empowering to a male than killing something? But, uh, it, uh, ba- okay, so basically that's been, that's been called out plenty of times now. Um, uh, you know, a, a lot of prominent women in Hollywood have, gone, have basically called people out and going, like, stop sending me scripts claiming that this is feminism. Anyways... When I tell people about the movie, they're immediately stopped there. But then I try to explain to them, like, no, she could because they immediately say, well, what is she uh, torturing these men that bring her home? Is she killing these men? Is she uh, a midnight serial killer? And I'm just like, okay, well, she doesn't, this kind of spoils the movie, but she doesn't actually do any harm to these guys. She basically educates them on why, why and how they're being creepy and why they shouldn't. She and the fact that she calls them out, the way how she makes this drastic turn from being fake drunk to being extremely sober and calling them out on trying to make a move on her when she basically ha- has very little awareness. It's so so many things that happen in this movie are so interesting. The fact and in one of these situations, I think it's with McLovin, uh, Christopher Mintz Plaus, right? Um, that's one of the one of the nice guys that brings her home. Um, she basically flips she uh, flips a switch and she's she's sober and he goes, uh, "Wait, you're sober? That's so messed up." And she's like, "Oh wait, you you're not interested in me now that I'm sober." And I just it's just so many different lines like that that are just so so interesting. So many lines that made me jump out of my seat. It, it also really plays up the psychological horror where. You the the first interaction she has with a guy, it's with Adam Brody. Uh, you don't see what happens after she reveals that she's not actually drunk. Right. Um. It's it's a really well done scene, but you see her walking. Um. You know, with her heels in her hand, I think. Mm-hmm. Um. And she's eating a burger, and there's there's like it looks like, and it's shot to look like blood dripping down. Her forearm the, and dripping it, from her elbow, up. but yeah. it's catch up. Yeah, yeah. so they, they're playing with your expectations again on the subgenre where you think like, what's she actually doing to these guys? And then it's it's really revealed. But it's like that, psychological blood. Oh yeah, well yeah. I mean, she's she's basically just she she is lecturing these guys, and you know, probably you're right, traumatizing but them just in, in lecturing and them. Ma- she's scaring them more exactly. than she ever could. Physically, she's she's making them think twice about trying to take advantage of someone who's drunk. Yeah, and a lot of things get brought up in the movie. Lines like um, being uh, being accused of something like that is the is the a male's worst nightmare. And she just says, "Well, do you know what a woman's wor- worst nightmare is?" And it's just like, yeah, these are like totally different, um, totally different standards, and it's. Uh, there are so many times in the movie where you and me, okay, I think a lot of people could see this movie and see the situations that are posed and say it dips into absurdity or it's too over the top or too preachy, but that's just so unfair because everything that happens in the movie, no matter how over the top it may seem, there's so much truth to it. Every single circumstance, I'm like, I've I've heard of situations like that. I I know conversation. I've had conversations like this. So um, people that say that uh, they don't get it or it's over the top or it's um or it's too preachy. I think just need to <laughs> just need to maybe try it again. Watch it with a different lens. Um. Yeah. So we should we should talk a little bit more about the movie before getting into spoilers real quick because. The, so the way the movie kind of shifts its dynamic is that uh, so Carrie Mulligan plays uh, a woman who used to be uh, a med student, but then dropped out after this event that you learn about later in the movie. And then is basically her entire life is just consumed with this drive to make the uh, dudes that would do this type of thing. Well, and also her, her friend committed suicide, right? Yeah. The event that you would find out later. Um, 
but uh, so she she starts to uh, date uh, a guy played by Bo Burnham, whom uh, she used to go to med school with, and things start looking up for her, and then things just take a really weird turn. Um, well, what, and what's great about that relationship is it starts out, you can tell that she's very standoffish when it comes to men. She just, she just has this distrust. And also another thing that's interesting is she has this little book, this little journal with tallies and the tallies are, you know, different colors. They're color coded. You don't know what tallies, what colors mean different things, but basically it's all the men you, you're, you assume that it's all, all the men that she's encountered, um, on these kinds of nights. Um, when she starts off with Bo Burnham, he's so charming and he's very persistent, but does seem like he's very genuine. Well, yeah, and that's it, it turns into a romantic comedy at that point because you have the closed off main character who just needs to get out of her shell. That's another thing I like about this movie. We talk about it transcending the uh, the rape revenge subgenre, but they also they they actually legitimately, I think play up um, rom-com vibes too because they, they put in that Paris Hilton song. The Paris is, Hilton song, It's yes. hilarious. I, like, I forgot where I heard that before and I didn't realize it was Paris Hilton. Um, Get this soundtrack, by the way. Get this soundtrack. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's actually a, a really great song. I kind of watch it on repeat at, or uh, listen to it on repeat after yeah. I saw the movie. Yeah. So, um, Even then the stars are So yeah, behind. the middle of the, the movie becomes a genuine romantic comedy. And yeah, it Bo just Burnham takes a is, big shift. He is really charming and really funny and seems like just a genuinely good guy. Also, we should mention that he notices her. He recognizes her from med school. They went to the same med school. Yeah. Um, but yeah, another aspect that I did appreciate about this movie is this idea that um, you can... So I think I think part of the movie is this idea that you can strive to fight against the, you know, fight against the machine, you know, uh, against some theme that is oppressing to a point where it, can, it completely consumes your life and then you don't uh, progress any certain way and how there really needs to be balance there. So I really appreciated that about the movie, too, how this woman is so consumed by this crusade that she is basically giving her entire life into it. And she actually has no desire to progress in any way. Yeah, and there even there's even um, a time when... Her parents know, buy her a suitcase. <laughs> Happy birthday, here's a suitcase. Well, so um, what's really interesting about this... Uh, well, even before they start their romantic comedy, like before she totally buys into this relationship, on their first date, he is. they're walking down the street, and he goes, oh, wait, um, look at this. This is, my, this is where I live. This is my apartment. So uh, would you like to come up? And she just goes stone-faced. She's like, I don't know. Do you want me to come up? And then he goes like, oh, okay, I messed up, didn't I? And she just walks away because... It, yeah, she kicks like, a trash can. I thought, uh, like, I thought you were nice and... Um, you and on the very first date you want me to come up to your apartment he's the nice guy who eventually is going to try to take advantage and um you keep on but then like you make uh, bo burnham such a sympathetic character because eventually bo burnham actually sees her out on a night where she's trying she's acting she's playing drunk and she picks up a guy and he runs into her and he gets he gets hurt because he thinks that she's they aren't exactly committed, but he thinks that she isn't really into the relationship as much as he is. He gets a little uh, upset, and she has to apologize to him, and he just acts like a lost puppy dog. Yeah, and it, it's it's one of those things in screenwriting. So I I always think of the I I have this theory like a rule of coincidences, right? I think you can have an extreme coincidence in a movie, but it has to create an obstacle for your main character. I feel like coincidences to progress the plot in like a positive way or to help your main character out. Um, but an obstacle that sets that sets your main character back and creates an obstacle, I think that's really great. So yeah, extremely coincidental that she would run into this guy um, while she's doing her you know her thing. Her thing. Um, but we're we're getting eerily close to spoilers here, so maybe well, we should this spoil. Is, this is why I think that the writing is really good, especially with uh, Bo Burnham's character, because you do actually feel 
bad for him. And and the thing is, she is so um, so consumed. She's she doesn't want to let somebody. She doesn't want to let a man into her life. She avoids it at all costs. And then eventually, especially after he sees that she sees that he she could lose him and that she actually does care about him she fully commits to it and she fully gets invested in it and that's why like okay maybe i don't have to live this life right and it's genius because that makes what happens with bo burnham's character all the more upsetting and tragic for yeah. the main character so tragic so let's talk about spoilers spoilers, spoilers. let's talk about spoilers <laughs> You 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 can't talk about spoilers without talking about Allison Bree's character that shows up. Okay, so Allison Bree's character, uh, she reveals that she has a cell phone from college, where a video was recorded of the actual event taking place, and uh, basically men standing around and laughing and cheering it on, and nobody's stopping it. Which, by the way, you only hear this, you don't see it. And you see Cassie's uh, face while she's watching it, and uh, obviously it's terrible. Um, One thing that you hear in the video is uh, you hear Bo Burnham's voice in the video. Well, the, the way that's revealed is really great, because she actually goes to his place of work... And shows him the video, and he's like, "What are you doing? I, I don't want to watch this." Yeah, he he basically she shoves it in his face, and and he goes, "Ooh, this is disgusting. I don't want to see this." And then and you hear his voice. Boom! He hears his own voice. You just feel you you just feel gross because he obviously knows what happened to her friend. He knows how uh, how it impacted her and impacted her life, and he he just failed to mention this, and he just he kept this from her, and just just even the fact that he thought it was a good idea to pursue a relationship with her it was just so icky. What's even worse is uh, the way I interpreted it is that he didn't even consider this when he tried to uh, court her. Or oh whatever wait, you yeah, say. there you go. He, fa- he never considered it. The fact that he was in the room when something like this happened. Yeah. Uh, he didn't do anything to try to stop it. This uh, this girl ended up killing herself. He he says, "Come on, we were kids," and of course they weren't kids. I mean, they're in med school. You have to think this is after undergrad, and if they're in med school, they're probably yeah, they're in their early twenties, twenty three, twenty four. Yeah, like, they are not kids. early to mid twenties, and that's what I mean. That's that sets her over the edge even more. So. Um, yeah, and it could have been something where he just thought it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't. I mean, he wasn't doing it. He was watching it, but he wasn't doing it. He wasn't partaking. So, what's the big deal? Yeah, there's a lot of boys will be boys conversations, and even with uh, Connie Britton's character, who I, that was my absolute favorite scene. Yeah, we didn't even talk about. I mean, we could break every single scene down in this movie and talk about how great it is. We, uh, we really could. Great writing, but basically, Connie Britton is like that. Um, uh, the dean that hides the, these kind yeah, of allegations. Like the dean with the auto responses about, you know, we get several allegations every week. And that's, and you're like, and that's what, your every excuse. Every week, bro? Like, are you yeah. serious? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, oh, there, there's, just, there's so much to talk about. But, yeah. And so talk about the ending, Josh. So she, she hears that the, um, the sexual assaulter is getting married. And... She is having a bachelor party. So she ends up going to the bachelor party, uh, posing as a stripper. What's very, what's interesting is she goes to the cabin that they're staying at and they don't question it no at all. One nobody, like, nobody hired a stripper, but nobody questions It's this. Max Greenfield that answers the door, which again, amazing casting. Great casting. It's, it's Schmidt from New Girl. Everybody likes Schmidt. Yeah. He actually plays a really great scumbag. Yeah. So he answers the door and like, okay, guys, who hired the stripper? And nobody cares who did it. They just care that they just the, care stripper's that the stripper's there. there. Yeah. So she she pours vodka in their mouth. Like it's all, it's drugged. So they immediately fall yeah. asleep. They all um, fall asleep. Um, but she takes uh, the... She takes the groom up to, <laughs> up to uh, the bedroom. And at first he's he's doing a whole, the whole like, oh, I love my wife. I don't want anything to, too crazy to happen here. 
you know, kind of into the to the bedpost. Yeah, she slowly but surely reveals that uh, you know her actual intentions, and we don't actually know exactly what she was planning, because he is she actually was gonna, she was going to carve something into his chest. Whatever she was planning, we don't actually really get to see because he ends up breaking free and overpowering her and uh, and killing her by suffocating her with a pillow. In a really in a very in an extremely uncomfortable long take that just oh man and it's it and was and really it, hard to watch and it sucks because it's this character that you've come to love and care about so much in um in the, the runtime and you and and also it's you don't want this you you don't want this guy to get away scot free you and he just he it seems like he kills her very easily. And, um, well, he has his his knee on that pillow for a really long time. Yeah, even even after she's clearly not moving, he just continues to leave it there. And, and Cassie, being our main character, you think she's just gonna spring to life, and it, that never happens. They do yeah. they do this real a really nice transition because it's from, not that kind of movie. Yeah, from night to morning, and everyone's in the same position. She's still dead on the bed, and he's just sitting in bed, having not slept, kind of thinking, what did I just do? And then Max Greenfield comes in. He's like, ha ha, what'd you do to her, man? <laughs> oh, she's dead. Oh, you had sex with the stripper? Oh, man, she's not moving. You must have rocked her world, man. Exactly. And then it becomes this weird lovey-dovey bro fest where he's like, hey, don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. Him, hugging him, kissing him on the head, saying, you didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't your fault, okay? Yeah, and I thought this was intentionally funny. So yeah, I, I did not I did not feel bad laughing at this because there's this, um, it, it's so, so frat culture. There's like this, yeah, this bro culture. Breaking down bro culture. Yeah. Where it's like, we have this, this bond, this love that it's, it's thicker than blood. We man. will cover up anything but we they, do. They will just do the most awful stuff. They'll cover for each other. Yep. They they will do morally despicable things. And they, but that, they're hey, still they're still brothers. That's my boy though. Exactly. I, yeah, you know, he uh he sexually assaulted a few women, but that's my bro. Exactly. He oh. killed somebody. That's my bro. Yeah, I think there's so much to this movie that is that's why I think it's just a really confident movie. You go from a scene, a long take, where someone is suffocating your main character to death, and then you just you go into this really goofy uh, bro love moment where it's like, "Hey, don't worry about it. It's gonna be fine. It's gonna be fine. We just we just gotta we just gotta hide the body." Yeah, and so then they they burn her body. And it does seem like they're going to completely get away from away with it. And if the movie had just ended there, I would have really liked it. But there's another case of it just goes. Oh, I mean, I, I wouldn't have. I I think the, the ending that, that they they came up with is vastly superior than just yeah, ending there. Yeah. Because, the, fun fact, the that's how that it was actually, originally going to end. Yeah. Is that she was, she was dead, boom, no comeuppance, no nothing. Mm-hmm. But then what really happens... So what actually happens is uh, she had some idea that she might not be able to make it out of their lives. So she put some plans in place just in case. Um, she it was about it was on the wedding day, right? This the the groom's wedding day that she was going to send um, the uh, the cell phone with the video to yeah, a lawyer. It. To um, a lawyer who already had a guilty conscience for getting several people off with, you know, from from sexual assault allegations. Um, she also, uh, she alerted... Basically everyone involved. Yeah, every, she, she basically um, set it up to where everyone involved would get their comeuppance on the wedding day. The police actually show up on uh, <laughs> the wedding day and... Ah, it was just... They take the groom away in handcuffs. Bo Burnham... It was he's, so satisfying. He sent the, the video with a little, like, winky face. I forget what it says, but... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a satisfying ending. It's like, wow, this woman died. And uh, I am actually uh, genuinely satisfied at her accomplishment here. 
which is a very weird mind space to be in when you <laughs> leave a movie like this. Well, um, yeah, I mean, she she knew she might have to uh, sacrifice herself. And, um, yeah, I, it was just, I mean... It was extremely interesting. It wasn't the outcome you wanted because you because I really like that character. And she did also, in a weird way, framed it so that in case I die, here's where I was. Yeah. So it it, it implicates it, it instantly implicates the groom in murder and everybody that was at that bachelor party. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah. Again, this is a this is a character that it kind of set up through the whole movie that she. She was her life was kind of put on hold because of this event, and she couldn't she couldn't move past it. We didn't know exactly how she was going to find closure with it, but it, this was kind of posed as this could be her closure moment. And the fact that she died carrying it out was really heartbreaking. Um, and uh, yeah, I, again, it was great writing, great directing, and um, yeah, I guess. It, it, and also, it's very stylish. And that's why I say, you know, I think people, you know, I think there's a little something, it's it's weird to say there's a little something in here for everybody because it deals with such heavy subject matter. But there... Oh, yeah. I'm, I could see a lot of people not liking this. But the style, the style infused in the movie is so good and um just uh i mean if you like if you like film and you like filmmaking it's kind of, it's just i felt like it was kind of a master class with uh every single element of filmmaking mm, yeah i agree especially how again it mixes up its genres it's especially the romantic comedy bits in the middle i thought were just great the it, it's just shifting tones all over the place and it, yeah. nothing ever seems out of place and nothing's out of place yeah so high recommend high recommend with with the warning that if you're triggered by sexual assault or um suicide those are present in the movie okay so we talked about i care a lot and we talked about promising young woman um Promising Young Woman, one of our favorite movies from 2020, and I Care A Lot, just a really interesting movie we watched recently, uh, 2021 released, which one is on One of my favorite Netflix. movies of 2021. Yeah, well, 2021 is still a long time, so you never know, but yeah, I could see it ended up in maybe my top 10, but we'll be back to talk about more movies. Peace. Peace. You are now exiting the movieverse of madness. We'll see you soon.